You're listening to Corporate Multiplayer. The official podcast of the 4-1 Game Zone. Hello and welcome to another Cooperative Multiplayer Live, and yes, we are back. I know we took another little break. Those things are never intended, honestly. <laughs> this just kind of happens. Uh, but at least the good thing about it is that we have Daniel back today. Hello. How's everyone doing? And of course, the man I cannot do this thing without because he holds it down. Mr. Mark Morrison, how are you doing? I'm alright. Alright, well, anything uh, interesting going on with you guys? For these uh, past, I guess it's 10 days now that we've been without this. I know you're watching Avengers later today. You excited, Daniel? I am. I'm looking forward to it, going with a couple of people from work and my wife. So it should be interesting. Have you uh, read anything about it or just going all on just watching it today? I've managed to stay relatively uh, spoiler-free, which I was—I'm very happy about. I didn't think I'd be able to do that. Well, I'm, uh, you'll have to tell us all about it. Hopefully, it's uh, really good. Everybody in the UK and a lot of Europe have already mostly seen it, I'm sure. So, uh, the, those things are in. Hopefully, I'm—I'm well, I'm sure that the money will not be a issue for this that it'll it'll make lots of money just hopefully um it's at least solid to what we got in the the first um outing here uh either way there's uh plenty of things to talk about you know there's that whole uh modding controversy or well allowing paid mods by steam and then subsequently having to take them off because of all the crap that happened with that and uh you know Marvel's making a game with Telltale in 2017. I guess Telltale's big enough now they get to just announce whenever they're making games with people. Um, But first of all, before we get to that, what have you guys been playing? Uh, Daniel, I'll go to you first. I've been playing a little bit of World of Tanks, and I just got into the beta for World of Warships, which I'm totally not playing right now. (laughs) And uh, Mark... What's been going on with you? I uh, beat GTA 5 on PC. I beat Mortal Kombat X on PC, which was not fun. And I beat Axiom Verge on PS4. Hey, how's Axiom Verge? I'm, I'm reviewing it right now. Uh, it's good. I'll be, there's a part I want to show you sometime where uh, you can get the PS4 game to crash. And I'm curious if they kept that in the, in the PC version. Well... Did you just happen to stumble upon that, or? To... Yeah, later on, uh, you get a you get different lab coats in the game, and one of them lets you teleport uh, through walls. Uh, and I te- I teleported through a wall you're not supposed to be able to, and oh. <laughs> it, like once you exit the area, the PS4 just crashes. Nice. <laughs> 
yeah, I'm reviewing it for the uh, other website that I write for, not for one. Um, they just kind of happened to be like, hey, there's a code. You want it? I was like, well, sure. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. This game looks really awesome. Um, it, I played it for about, like, 15 minutes before we started. It's it's pretty much, you know, Metroid, but different character, and he has a little bit of backstory, you know, so... Um, you're not, uh, I don't know if you get a suit later or anything, but you don't wear a suit, uh, with this guy. No, you wear, like, lab coats. Hey, that's, that's cool enough. I like lab coats. I can dig that. Uh, so, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna start a series, it, it's in the description, but we're gonna start a series, uh, beginning today with, like, intro, I mean, I know we're 86 episodes into this thing, and I think probably about 50 or so of those have been with me hosting, um, so it's probably late in the game to be doing this, but I know there's new people that probably listen every time, and I, I'm going to try to go on a bigger promotion effort for this thing, because that's part of the problem, why we don't have, like, a bunch of listeners, because it's so hard to just promote something from nothing. Um, but we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, that means that we're going to kind of talk about how we got into gaming, what makes us play games, all that kind of stuff, That you know, how we started this whole playing games from what age, all that kind of stuff. We might as well just do this before we get into all the new stuff, because even though there's not a ton of it, it kind of maybe somebody's you know you start dragging on and they're like, well, maybe I don't want to hit fast forward. Um, so Daniel, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you when you like how old were you when you first started gaming and like what were some of the like first games you started out with? Well. Uh... Like many people of my generation, I started out with the original NES, Mario Brothers Dunk Hut combo pack. Uh, it was about five when we got it. Funny story, we were actually there was actually a uh, fire alarm going off the Christmas that I got it, and I I don't remember this, but apparently I was upset that. When the fire alarm went off, that my parents did not grab the the Nintendo as we left the hotel room. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was that kid. <laughs> uh, well, you know, to be honest, I would have been the same way too. You know, <laughs> would have been like trying to save all my systems or something while I tried to run out the door. Well, I had been wanting an NES for a while, and finally. Got it, and then a fire alarm went off. <laughs> so Aww. I was Did glad to, to pick. I was luckily it was a false alarm, and I got to go home. We set it up and played it. I had some of the first games that I had were, like I said, the Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. I had Top Gun, which. You learn really quick how to land that damn plane, whether you want to or not. <laughs> Why? Because you're crap. <laughs> yes, you cannot get past the second level if you do not know how to land the plane. Oh, okay. It's uh, man. I and think then, I might have played that once. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's not a really a bad game for the time. It's just the landing was insanely complicated. Oh, okay. Uh, I also played Mega Man and Zelda. Those were rentals, not purchases. 
had the original Ninja Turtle game that was given to me as a gift, thinking that it was going to be good. Uh, upgraded to the Ninja Turtles 2 as soon as I could. Uh, I played a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the classic games. I'd, I mean, every Friday we'd go out and rent game, rent videos, and I would always rent games. So, played a lot of the Nintendo library just by renting everything. Ah, nice. Well, Mark, how did you... Uh, I was like six or seven, or probably like five or six. I remember uh, like a, we did like a kindergarten field trip, and the kid next to me had a Game Boy with Tetris on it that I like commandeered and played. Um, I never really had a console until I was like 10 or 11 when I moved in with my dad. My mom was like very against home console for some reason, but she bought me at least four or five Game Boys as a kid because I kept like breaking them or losing them. Uh, I remember playing like Kirby uh, Turtles on that. Uh, Mario, like Mario two and one, two was a lot better. Uh, I think we rented a Nintendo a few times from like Blockbuster. And I remember playing like Mega Man six and Captain Planet, which was terrible. And yeah, once I moved in with my dad, I got like a SNES and a Genesis, and really like going at it. <laughs> nice. I uh. My brother was actually the one that had an, an NES, so I remember being like five years old playing Mario, and then I think I played Duck Hunt too, just because that's there, and just part of that's foggy for me. Aside from Mario, kind of a lot of my memories of gaming don't really start when I had my, my first console that I got to own by myself was the SNES. Um, the NES, I remember playing Mario, but I don't think I really started gaming that much on it until I got the SNES and Super Mario World and man I played that thing day and night that was like I think back when back when I was a kid I don't know why I always had this uh, thing with my dad like I felt like if I stopped playing I had to like go ask him again if I could play again so like constant like a lot of my dad's memories of me when I was little was him constantly asking me if I could play Nintendo and sometimes I would spell it out for him just because I would feel bad that I'm asking him like a bunch of different times during that day that I could go play again um and just you know just I I I, I remember having the super scope thing and bearing Billy being able to um to hold it while I'm blasting whatever it was that was on the screen <laughs> that was such a one of those peripherals Nintendo had that just so wasteful it's so big <laughs> and yeah it just I remember collecting dust. Rather. Wasn't it like battery powered too? Yeah, it was battery powered. It's this huge, you know, this huge thing. It's like, damn, what? What? I mean, you would have thought they would have made different games for, uh, to be able to use that besides that one. But I guess it's kind of like the Nintendo gun, you know, uh, for Duck Hunt. They really didn't. Uh... <clears throat> Robert is. I'm gonna see if I can get Robert to come on here because he says he's at home, but his laptop is like dying on him or something he's trying to <laughs> save it uh but what um you know i can i think uh, more importantly you know a lot everybody has their own reasons as to why they play games or you know maybe you started as a kid wanting to play just because it was like the thing to do and then now as you get older you know with more real lives that you have going on you have other reasons as to why why you play you know um, Daniel, do you have specific reasons, or just because it's always something you've always done, or? 
I mean, it's fun. If I had a choice between, I mean, watching six, I mean, watching what six average movies or getting a video game, I'd probably go with the game because the games generally have more uh, entertainment value. You spend more time playing it. You feel like it's more interactive. You can determine the outcome, especially in the bigger games. So it's, I mean, it's partially a value thing and it's just something I enjoy. Sometimes it seems like the writing and the storylines in video games are much better than what you get in movies. Yeah, true. I mean, I think, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I don't watch, I mean, I also have a bunch of crap I have to watch for, you know, the wrestling podcast and sports, you know, watch a bunch of sports and stuff, but... You know, I don't know, movies I kind of watch here and there when you have the big ones come out. And if, you know, my daughter wants to watch one of those Disney movies that we have here at the house and all that stuff. But, I, you know, I find myself when I have like an hour or two, just let me sit down and play this game. You know, whether it's something that I've already played or something that I have yet to play. You know, and of course, reviewing games now kind of, that's another purpose as to why, obviously, to play is, you know... We get handed a game, we get to review it and get to keep it just to write something and tell people how we feel about it. And, I mean, that's that's a privilege, you know, and not everybody gets to do that, and it's pretty cool being able to do this with 401 and then the other side that I do it and say, hey, it's a reason to play games. It's a reason to get better at writing, get better at evaluating a game, seeing what's there. Sometimes, you know, when you play a game and you're not thinking about it the way that we do sometimes, you don't look for certain things. And you kind of start, it also kind of hurt, you know, hurts you because you'll look at things and go, you know, I never noticed that frame rate drops sometimes until I've actually had to sit there and stare at it and go, oh, it's dropping. Okay. You know, and then you start looking at things, you realize things that you like in games, things that you don't, you know. Um, but Mark, do you have like reasons to uh, kind of like, kind of like uh, you said, uh, like interactive, I like to be interactive interactivity of a game, like being able to dictate it. I also like stories in games and seeing what they how they go. Like a lot of stories in games are like a lot more uh, larger than a movie could ever try to hope to be. So I'm interested in that type of stuff. And even games that don't have stories, they're just they're usually fun. So So what when when you think of like a genre of games, like what is your if a if a game comes out in that genre, you always want to give it a look because it's your favorite. It's the one you play the most games in, or or whatever. Do you have a certain favorite, Daniel? Uh, I tend to like pretty much any game. Uh, I'll I'll go from a FPS to an RPG. Sometimes between games. Sometimes I'll get on a streak where I just want to shoot stuff. Sometimes I'll get on a point where I want to think about stuff. I mean, there's really not one type of game that I do not like. Uh, I'd say a specific genre for me would probably be like Metroidvania games. Uh, the problem with that is they haven't made a bunch of those. <laughs> like they've actually made like three of or two or three in the past like two or three months, which is kind of insane because the last like big one was Shadow Complex, and that was like damn near six years ago at this point. Uh, and like within the past few months, has been like Axiom Verge and uh, Ori in the Blind Forest and. I haven't gotten that one yet, but it seems good. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I know my absolute favorite is RPGs, obviously. I will, like, you know, any any RPG that comes out, usually more towards the J RPG version than the, the Western. The Western has kind of gotten into, like, I, I've kind of had to start liking it. I didn't always particularly care for it. Um, but I think back, back in the day, I remember as a kid always, you know, being platforming person love platformers. I think when Pokemon came around was when I finally figured out I was playing RPGs and I liked them because I remember my brother playing Final Fantasy 7 and I'm sitting there going, God, this game looks so boring. You're just walking around and you're fighting the same thing and you're you're waiting for your turn. It doesn't seem like it's that fun, you know, and then I stick, I'm sitting here at the same time on my Game Boy playing Pokemon. I don't think about it's the same game. Just it has little monsters and stuff and it keeps me, uh, were occupied than the more adult versions of it um and i think you know that's the one thing that i really appreciate from getting to review games and stuff is that it has broadened my horizons to where now i will i will play anything you know i've really enjoyed like playing just little quirky games sometimes you know um god i can't remember uh like something like singularity or any anything like uh anything that's like a bit on the more the weirder side, I'll play it. I'll give it a shot because I know it can have something hidden in there that I might like. And, and of course, music games, too, something that I loved in college um, that I still play to this day. I am so, like, ready for Rock Band 4 and Guitar Hero Live to come out so I can just indulge in, in those things. Um, I still play, you know, Rock Band sometimes as a... And that's what I, I played Rock Band for when I was in college, to kind of not... to kind of let me forget about what was going on in my life, the school that I had to do, the the work I had to go to, I could sit there and just delve into the music for an hour or delve into hitting buttons and getting better or whatever. Just It provides that escapism that I think sometimes, you know, getting to be interactive with that game is different than just watching a movie or watching a sporting event that you're like, okay, cool, my team won or my team lost. But as soon as that game's over... You know, it's like, okay, back to reality. Whereas the game, you can kind of get lost in that game sometimes, and you're almost thinking about it afterwards as you're doing something else. You go, man, I want to play that game again. I feel like there's no other medium that really does that. You know. Um, anything else you guys want to discuss about this or like just kind of touch on before we move it along to present day, I guess? Um... Well, I guess we'll start with what is still, I think, even though it's been been killed for a couple of days now, what is still probably the big big story is that Steam allowed paid mods to be active on their Steam Workshop, and then all this crap starts happening. People buying things that don't necessarily work, or you know, just just giving the ability to these modders that for modding is free, and all of a sudden they're making money off of this, you know. Um, Steam says that they didn't really know what they were doing, and that's why they had to cut it off, not to mention they had so many complaints. Uh, it, it could fill probably many buckets of, of stuff. Uh, Daniel, what is your take on this whole... Do you think that this... I mean, you asked the question in, in Fact or Fiction, and I kind of really... I didn't know about this whole... that they had been taken down at the time, but are you of the mind that we shouldn't even have this be allowed yet? Is it not? Uh, I'm kind of back and forth on paid mods. Part of me thinks... I've always associated mods as something that... 
is always free. It's just something that somebody has messed with because they like the game so much. Uh, they wanted to have X, Y, or Z in a game, and since it wasn't, they decided to put it in the game themselves. I'm not crazy about having to pay for a mod that, I mean, you don't know, half the time you don't know if it works. At least if it's free and if it doesn't work, you're, I mean, you're okay with it because you didn't pay anything for it. When you start getting to the point where you're paying for mods and it doesn't work, that's where mods start to get a bad reputation. Uh, having to buy them on Steam just kind of makes me wonder if it's getting to the point where now we're going to have mods released by instead of getting DLC we're just going to have certain companies release mods and that's it do you think and Steam th- was trying to control modding like try to make it another thing that they do in their portfolio that like will soon just be something you only do on Steam or well I mean we've had mods on Steam before and they, some of them have been mods that have been that you've had to pay for, like uh, oh, what was it, Gary's mod, I think, for for a Team Fortress Two as an example. It's just, I think they didn't expect people to put out as many mods as they did, and when when they started getting reports that some weren't working or some could have even messed up a game they just took everything down i don't think they were anticipating the amount of mods that people were going to actually put on steam okay i can see that mark uh i think the biggest thing that they could have done is make mods free but have a subscribe button for a payment for them like if you like this mod pay a dollar or two or whatever they want to say uh, to look fund more from the developer, like the a PayPal donating thing or something. Yeah, but have it either on Steam or, like you said, go through PayPal so that the person actually gets the money for it. But there are modders for like cities, skylines. Like there's a guy that he used to work in SimCity, and when Max was shut down, he moved to kind of city sky skylines, and he's making buildings for a patron for it, which is cool. Uh, but like the price for mod, uh, the price cut that modders were getting to this deal. Hold on, I think we lost the feed. So my computer decided it wanted to lose the feed because it doesn't like multiple things going on at once. Uh, Mark was, was talking about the steam and the mods and all the stuff that was going on with why they had to take it down. Mark? My, uh, Point, or, well, my continuing point was that the uh, share split between mods, uh, Steam, and then Bethesda was pretty insane. With modders only get twenty five percent, and Bethesda taking forty five percent, and Steam, Steam is always thirty percent, which is fine. That's what they've always been. But Bethesda was being a bit greedy with that game, I think. Well. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, you're also using the publisher's game to make a mod, I mean, and then making money off of them. Yeah, but they're not exactly selling more copies of that game anymore, and it's pretty much only for fans at this point. And there's a lot of things about Skyrim that were broken either at launch or kind of still that modders have already the modders have fixed. <laughs> hmm. Like, it's the same about, about, about like World of Warcraft, like, 
people wouldn't mind paying a buck or two or five bucks for like the auctioneer mod because it's vastly better than anything Blizzard has made for that damn game. <laughs> damn. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just think that you... I mean, well, like, let's say that they're, you know, let's say GTA 5, for example, that I think they just had their first mod or whatever. So you would be okay with them charging more money because the game is still selling? Uh, well, it depends on if you want to use mods or not. Like, I used a mod when I was playing GTA 5, and it was fine. But uh, they're not allowing mods for the online part. And that's kind of split with that game. Like, Skyrim doesn't have an online portion at all. And Rockstar is pretty against mods for GTA 5 as it is. <laughs> well, I would probably think that they don't... I mean, if unless you're really going to... You know... Unless... You, I, I just don't know that if you really ask them, are these companies really in favor of you messing with their game and doing stuff with it? I mean, I don't know that Rockstar probably wants somebody modding their online thing because they probably already think that they did it great. And then what if one of those uh, mods messes with something in the game and then they can't fix it or or whatever, or they feel like, well, now we have to we have to add that mod in or something, and it's just eh. I don't know. They've been around for a while, so I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're. Was there a reason why you think Rockstar just do this? They just don't like it, period. Or is there a reason to not allow mods in your game? They don't like it because it can't. It might affect the online part, and that would affect how uh, they sell their own specific stuff for that thing. Like, if you don't want to buy money in real life, money for the GTA money, you can just have a mod that does it for you. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense, yeah, because it can mess with the, that was the thing that we were worried about with, uh, what was it that we were talking about with them adding to the online that they could screw it up if they, I think it was like a week ago, or something that we were talking about, they were going to add something that could totally screw with, uh, if they allowed it for, um, I'll probably remember it later when it doesn't matter, but, <laughs> Moving along, uh, as I mentioned, Marvel is going to do a game with Telltale in 2017. It's probably better that Telltale's, like, starting to space these out because they have, what, like, five or six game series going on right now at this moment, and it's hard enough just for them to get Game of Thrones and Telltale Borderlands out. Uh, you know, if it, I'm sure they're going to be working on a Walking Dead Season 3 pretty soon, and whatever they're going to do with... Uh, Oh, why can't I think of it? The, Wolf uh, Among Wolf, Us? Yeah, Wolf Among Us. So, what do you expect, like, if when you think about Marvel and doing a Telltale game, is there anything we should, uh, anything different we might see? Like, you think we might finally get a little bit more control over the character, where he can do some action stuff, or is it just going to be Telltale's version of, with, with Marvel Story? Anyway. I'm... Personally, I'm leaning towards a Telltale version of a Marvel story. Just because if you're Telltale, why mess with what's working? 
I also think there's enough in the Marvel Universe that they can have some really good story-driven games. And there's no... I mean, really, Telltale, you go to it for story, not for action. And I think you're going to see the Marvel game being of a, the same. It's going to be more story-driven than action-driven. I would think that I would hope that they do a spin on like their own spin on a character or a franchise. Like I wouldn't want them to do like the Phoenix Saga, like the Telltale Phoenix Saga or anything like that. Like, I would want them to pick kind of a semi-obscure team or a character like She-Hulk or uh, like X Factor would I think be a great fit for like a Telltale game. And Exiles, yeah, Exiles would also be good. Uh, but just tell a story like from that perspective and like their own kind of narrative. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope it's an original story too because we've seen it with, uh, you know, Tales of Borderlands. They created their own characters in that universe, and now those characters are much more interesting than any of the Borderlands ones. You know, Game of Thrones, you kind of sort of use this family that is sort of hinted at in the books or whatever, but it's not like this big. You know, one of the one of the big families or whatever, and they do have interactions with people from the show, from the from the from the books, everything you know. And uh, I, I would, th- I mean, I, uh, Daniel asked this question in the Fact or Fiction. You think it's going to be based? Do you think it'll have anything to do with the MCU, or are they going to do it just off comics? Or I would think that if you do it with the MCU, you're hampering yourself as to what you can do. And then Marvel's going to tinker with it more. If you do the comics, it's a lot more wide open. But what do you think? I agree, but I'd also add, if they did it in the MCU, it would be a lot more expensive trying to get the actors to reprise their characters for the game than it would be to just do the comics and have all new voices for characters. I would think they would just do, like, the cartoon voices or something. They wouldn't bring in Chris Evans and Robbie Downey Jr. to do the voices or whatever. Because people are used to those characters having different voices at this point. Now, I think if they could get them and it not be expensive, I think they'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm sure there's an asking price for them to do anything, though. So. I can only imagine they don't want to spend that much money on just actors or whatever. Yeah. Mark, do you have a preference? I, or? I think they tie it into the MCU, but they won't have anyone big in it. Like they won't, I, think, I don't think they could afford Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans, but Samuel L. Jackson, perhaps, or Colby Smother, Smother whatever her name is, or uh, Clark Gregg, like, he'll show up. Just give him bus fare and a sandwich, and he'll be happy to do it. Uh, <laughs> but like going, I I think if you did that, they can make a show. They can make a show based on that eventually down the road. Like if you actually casted actors who looked the part just to vo- just to voice it to set it up, and then later on they can make another show based on that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would be I would be totally surprised if uh, Samuel Jackson doesn't just agree to do it because I and mean, we know he he will just go into anything if uh, given the right script for it or just I mean he made his own anime for God's sakes so 
you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be surprising at all. And, uh, I mean, there was even, what was it? I think it was, uh, Joss Whedon said that he got, he had to really think about whether or not to put Clark Beg- Greg back in the movies and he decided no on it. And I think, uh, the, that's one of the reasons why the people at, not Marvel, but I think the studios just are not a, very happy with the show because there's a lot of focus on it and whatnot and then the whole all, all that's going into that i think uh didn't they have them on jimmy kimmel and uh he told them he like phoned in and said that uh they weren't good enough to be on the tv show or something like that yeah that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah so i mean i i just hope that we i mean i totally trust telltale at this point i think they have failed at making any one of their games uh, interesting. That being said, I don't think that, you know, Minecraft is going to get me to all of a sudden play Minecraft with their game. I think that's the one I'm going to sit out on. But everything else that they have done has uh, exceeded expectations, I think. And just having the name Marvel... I I would hope that this leads to more seasons. We don't just get one. So... You know, whatever character that they choose to do or if they make their own character, as long as they're doing, like, Game of Thrones and you kind of see some of the Marvel characters in it, will be, I think, good enough for people. Um, that being said, uh, speaking of good enough, something that a lot of people are complaining wasn't that great, uh, Watch Dogs 2 got confirmed thanks to a Ubisoft employee's LinkedIn profile. You would think that when you make these LinkedIn profiles, you, you're putting this in yourself. Like, just don't put Watch Dogs 2 on, on your job listings. I mean, that's just <laughs> pretty uh, evident, I think. I'm, I'm sure that's also might have been done on purpose, so you can sort of generate a new story about it, but Watch Dogs 2... You think it's happening, and how can they really improve on the first game to make it better? They can make it fun. <sighs> That'd be helpful. Give us the stuff they pro- they said would be in there. They could give us a good character. <laughs> this seems to be like a problem, like a lot, a lot with these introducing new IPs. Like we're just introducing this first game, and we know it's going to be kind of crappy. But we hope we get you with the second game. Is that... I don't think that's the strategy they're using, but it sure seems like it just seems to be happening a lot with these these big new IPs that are coming out. Like, you think this is going to be a problem? You know, where we're just introducing these games and then hoping it does well enough to get a sequel? Like, The Order's already getting a sequel, but the first one was just... You know, it had its issues. The Order was going to get a sequel no matter what unless just completely and utterly bombed just because they hyped it up so much and they needed new IP. Look at Drive Club. That's what that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I think I honestly think they thought Drive Club would succeed and be their new be a new franchise for them. They learned really quick that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. They're still trying to patch that thing very much like very much like uh, Microsoft dealing with Halo, still patching the multiplayer for that game. They had to cancel the world, the championship tournament because people still couldn't join in on multiplayer matches during the tournament. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's not good at all. <laughs> 
No, it they, is not. They, they said they're investigating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would think that you have this like covered. Like, if you're gonna have a big tournament, you got to make sure this stuff works. I don't. I just. Is it? I mean, how are they solving problems for this game? Like, almost. Well, we're getting to like almost six to eight months since it came out. I mean. The, well, the funny part is that now that's the packing game. <laughs> so it's like, good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you buy the, that's the new Halo. Uh, bundle that they have right now. You're. Uh... Well, the single player does work really well and is a great single player game. <laughs> yeah, very true. I I play the single player. I have not even touched the multiplayer, even if it did work. Um, I just think that. But I mean, a lot of a lot of Halo is you're promising those multiplayer that or that multiplayer the way it was, the way we remember it, and then not to be able to join in games fairly easily. I think that's that's an issue, you know. So, do you yeah. think that uh, heading on to this, you know, Gears of War has finally come out, and Black Tusk said that they're remastering the first game. They're not making a collection. Now, to be fair, Halo did the same thing where we it was supposed to be a Halo 2 anniversary, Halo 2 anniversary, and then at E3, hey, we got the Halo Master Chief collection, everybody. You know, um, do you think this is a tease to where they're going to just, they're trying not to get expectations up for all three games coming out or all four games? Do you think it's more of a, it's a money grab? They're trying to see if number one is going to make it and then they make the rest of the games? Or do you think it's, they learned from Halo Master Chief Collection where this multiplayer didn't necessarily work. Do we want to run into the same problem where we're patching this game constantly after it comes out? I wonder if they're just testing the waters with Gears of War to make sure there's still a big enough market to do a collection edition. Fair enough. I think, they'll, I think they'll make the collection, but they'll try to uh, like piecemeal it out. So... I have to pay thirty bucks for Gears of War one, thirty bucks for the Gears of War two, and then so thirty. So a collection for... through DLC instead of a straight up, it's all on disc. Yeah, and I don't think they'll do Judgment because I don't think a lot of people like that game. <laughs> Could that have been a better way to do the Halo two anniversary then? Just maybe have it one and two, and then release the other ones based on how well all that stuff works. I mean. No, I think they did what they needed with the Halo edition, or the Master Chief Collection. I think they just, they had problems with the online, and now I think they're focusing more on getting making sure Halo 5 doesn't have the same issues, and so patching Master Chief took a backseat. Right. You know, I think uh, my only issue with this is that Gears is probably going to have the problem of, we don't know this for sure, but there's a big chance that at Sony's press conference a few hours later, Uncharted Trilogy announced with all three games on one disc. And then basically whatever you announce with Gears of War just becomes a blip on the radar. Do you think it could hurt them if, say, somebody comes out and trumps them later if you don't introduce an entire collection for Gears? Or are we just spoiled at this point by Halo and just should it be fine with it? Or... I think uh, Microsoft wants to avoid anything involving the words collection right now. 
I think they want to be really careful and they want to make sure they can get online to work before they do any other big releases like that. And I think it, I don't know what the problem with it was, but there had to, I don't know what caused the problem with Master Chief Collection, if it was having the four separate games in one disc or what, but I think they want to go with a simple approach and make sure the multiplayer works on one thing before they start releasing multiple games at once. Do you think, uh, well, Mark, uh, do you have a thought or anything? Well, I'm sure it doesn't really have that multiplayer problem because only two and three had multiplayer, and they weren't, they're fine, but they weren't as big as, like, Halo was at all, so they could easily, re- like, release all three games as a package and go, here you go. <laughs> Do you think that uh, they should have... I've heard a lot of people say they should have just released 3 as the remaster because it's the one that was most polished and came out the latest and will probably be what they take as inspiration for whatever this new one is, if it's a reboot or sort of continuation but with different people. I mean, I think one has to do with the anniversary or whatever, but do you think uh, 3 should have been the game? Are you cool with 1 or... I mean, do you think there it's going to be one the way we remember it, like they did with Halo, or do you think they're going to add in new stuff to it? Daniel? Uh, I think they're just going to do like they did with the original Halo remaster and just remaster the first game and kind of leave it at that at the moment. Yeah, I would kind of agree. Like, they may add, like, Horde mode in or some of the other, like, multiplayer maps, but that's about it. <laughs> I think you have to add war, uh, Horde mode at this point. It's like the thing that kind of kept Gears going for a while, at least for with 3. Uh, um, Mark and I got to talk about this, I think, off-air for a little bit, that they, uh, Remedy had talked about there was an Alan Wake 2 prototype, but it didn't get made, and they had also talked to Microsoft about making Alan Wake 2 but they decided on Quantum Break instead, and now Microsoft's playing around with an Alan Wake uh, 1 remaster, and they're also talking about having Alan Wake 2 get made after Quantum Break. Do you think we're going to see Alan Wake 2? And, I mean, what? Uh, where could they really go with that? I mean, I, I, I've heard a lot of Apparently, there's rumors that you're going to get told what happened, and then they're going to go from there, or do you think it'll just be a sort of different story on Alan Wake, or Daniel? Uh, I think it'll end up being kind of like Mass Effect, where they pick one ending and say, this is what happened, this is what we're going with. Uh, there's a lot they can... Uh, I have no doubt that they figured out a way to continue Alan Wake when the first game became extremely popular because nobody is going to risk not being able to make a franchise out of a popular game. The fact that I can't say off the top of my head what they're going to do doesn't mean they don't have a plan and that they haven't thought it out. True. Uh... Mark? I think they'll make uh, Alan Wake 2, but they might try to uh, 
go a little closer to what Alan Wake 1 is supposed to be, like more of an open world game with like uh, what like night day dynamic. So at night you face, face the monsters and at day you face, you do like townspeople stuff or you do like an investigation about where your wife is. Um, I wouldn't mind an Alan Wake remaster, possibly on Xbox One or PS4 really, like they did with Mass Effect 1 way back in the day. That'd be cool. And yeah, I'd be more. I'd be happy to see more on Alan Wake. I definitely want to see an Alan Wake one remaster. I mean, I still have it, but I think, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know about. I'm sure that once uh, Alan Wake became popular, I mean, they made that American Nightmare, you know, addition to it. So, I'm sure with that, they had already thought about. Well, do we want to make a two? If we make it to what is going to be the story for it and everything based off of that. I think, though, I mean, we're getting into, you know, do we like this whole idea? They did it with Infamous, too, where we're kind of telling you, we're going to give you all these options, but then when we continue with the game, we're going to tell you what's canon and what's not, making you feel like going through the game multiple times to get these different endings means nothing. Do you like this idea of why, you know, just basically, okay, next game comes out, well, this is what we're doing, screw whatever you did in the other game, here you go, I mean. I mean, they kind of have to do that when you have a game with multiple endings and you're going to make a sequel. You have to choose what ended up happening. Now, you can have some leeway in there, but... I mean, I have no problem with it because it's the multiple endings give you a reason to keep playing through a game just to get something different. But then when you get a sequel, you find out, well, this one ending is what we're going to say actually happened. And as long as they make it clear, I don't mind that. Mark? I wasn't even aware Alan Wake had multiple endings. <laughs> well, not, not about uh, Alan Wake, but just saying... That, well, I mean, just... Uh... Canonical ending, or... Yeah, canonical ending about it, just in the fact that, you know, he, he brought up Mass Effect in that, you know, Mass Effect, you know, they, they're basically just telling you, okay, well, we're going to take what happened here and go do this or, or whatnot instead of letting you kind of have that freedom of deciding. I, don't, I mean, I kind of understand what Daniel's saying, though. They, they have to have a starting point. I think it for the next game. I think it depends. Like if, like take Mass Effect. If the saves carry over, like if your actions in Mass Effect One lead into Mass Effect Two, then they should program it for that. But if not, then like for Infamous, who really cares? It's not like your Infamous One save carried into like Infamous Two. I don't think. Yeah. Well, no. It's just I think with Infamous, it was more that. You had the decision of to whether, but but I think that didn't they say in Infamous though that the, I think the good ending was I don't know what people were complaining about I could have swore that they said the good ending was the canonical ending, um, but you also got a different ending when you were totally evil, and I, I think it was the fact that you went through all that with Cole and then he's not even in, Second Son, so people were kind of upset that it felt like that didn't matter because they give you a new character yeah but with uh you know in mass effect it's sort of the same way it looks like they're not going to go with do you think that that's smart for them not to go with shepherd to just do something completely different and 
and make it sort of a new trilogy, or did they need to continue on with that story in a way? Yeah. I mean, the story ended, and how many times can one person save the universe? Three. <laughs> well, it was all tied together. But, I mean, really, if if you're building it up as there's an ancient conspiracy or ancient technology has been discovered that can uh, substantially affect how the universe runs or the galaxy runs, how many times can you have just this one person be the only person that gets called out to it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's so true. You'd think that you would have like other people that are just part of the same team or something and they would actually go and save the universe themselves. I just... I mean, have a little... You can easily have some type of cameo by Shepard. Have an old man come by. Yeah, I remember when I was a young man and this, this, or this happened. I had to do this, this, or this. Have kind of a nod to it, but there's no reason to say you have to have Shepard in the game or you have to have this person in the game. Keep it in the same universe. Have fun with the way that the game references past events. And by past, I mean events that happened in previous games. And you're good. The only character they need is Rex. (laughs) Well, and given that some of them are alien races, depending on how advanced the game is set, you can still have some of the side characters show up. Right. That's yeah. That's true. Uh, do you like the uh, what was said in that uh, that whole leak? Or what, well, it's not a leak, but it, the the what's assumed from that survey of where they might go with Mass Effect? Or do you think it's that's just hearsay? It won't be that way when we get to the game itself. I think they've already got an idea of what they're going to do. They have to already have an idea given that they've been working on it I think they're just doing a, a little bit of uh, trying to think exactly how I should phrase they're basically doing what movie theaters or movie companies do when they have a new movie they do the focus groups they see what works well and what doesn't and know how to market the, mo- the movie to increase the good and decrease the bad. I think they're doing the same thing right now with Mass Effect. They're, they've got an idea of what they're going to do. They know, they just want to see what people will and won't like so that they can tailor their marketing to that. Daniel, or not Daniel, Mark, you have a... The survey kind of mentioned two things that I wouldn't want in a Mass Effect 4, which is like kind of their online co-op or online mess set they had in Mass Effect 3 which is terrible and I don't want that Mako to come back at all <laughs> you, oh you didn't like the multiplayer I heard people were still playing that thing no because it really messed up a single player game because you had to play it to get like oh the that's 100%. right yeah because there was parts of it where you to unlock I think uh, parts of the parts Gallop. of the single player you had to play the yeah. multiplayer right and it's yeah. like screw that like if you want to have it, that's fine. Make it optional, or just make it like a side thing, or 
don't have it be required for me to get 100% readiness rating. Has there been another game that's been like that, where you had to fight the multiplayer in order to keep going with the single player? That doesn't make sense. I haven't got the Mass Effect 3, so I, I haven't got to that point, but... I can't even think of that. That's just really weird, EA. Why would you want... You want people to play your... Or buy, you want people to play your multiplayer that bad? The... Well, they want people to they wanted people to dump money into it. That was the thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They had the. That's that's stupid. Ah, I just hope we don't get. That's possible that we get that again because you know we're all about those in-game transactions now. Uh, so speaking of making transactions, uh, Batman: Arkham Knight has a season pass that's going to cost forty dollars, and. They really haven't revealed too much of what's in it. A lot of it seems to be like skins and things you don't necessarily need. I mean, forty dollars for a season pass isn't that like a little much? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I'm seriously doubting how if, how much I'm going to enjoy the new Batman game because of it at this point. Are we worried about the Batman game? Because it seems like the 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 thoughts of it is heading towards... The I mean, it's also because it's been delayed twice, but the thought is kind of sort of heading towards negative, especially with, with the season pass announcement. Well, I hope that they realize just how much they are going to upset people with the season pass and that they decide and that the game the thing that scares me is where they say talk about story driven missions associated with the season pass if we're going to have to buy the season pass to finish the story then the I'm probably not even going to pick up the game I hate to say that but I just I refuse to play a game where I'm going to have to pay an extra $40 to find out how the story ends yeah, so new story missions, more supervillains invading Gotham, new legendary Batmobiles, advanced challenge maps, alternate skins, and drivable racetracks. Now, if they're optional story missions, like retelling of classic Batman storylines from the comics, I'm fine with that. I think that's a good idea, and that's something I'd be interested in buying. But if it's to find out what happened in the story, you have to... What happened to the main story of the game? You have to buy the season pass. I'm not going to enjoy that. That's what Azura's Wrath was about. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like that's what it was. Like, you had to buy like the last two episodes on online to like find out what happened in the ending. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's wow. How, how think... do you feel about this season pass thing, Mark? Uh. I don't care about the price because other games have more expensive season passes. Like Call of Duty Advanced Warfare has like a fifty dollars season pass, or like Forza Four and Horizon Two and all that crap have like fifty dollars passes. Um, the main thing that annoys me is the skins thing because when Arkham uh, Asylum first came out for PC, a lot of people made skins for it, like just modders, and a lot of people liked it. So what did Warner Brothers do, they co-opted the idea and they started putting skins in themselves and people pay for them. And it's back to that whole modding discussion earlier. Like, 
yeah, it's it's kind of disgusting what like Warner Brothers has done. <laughs> well, but that's just monetizing something that they know that works. I mean, yeah, but it's like they didn't have an uh, asylum at all. Like people did it themselves. <laughs> right, but the console gamers can't mod stuff, so you know it's. That's something that, like, it's there if you want it. But, I mean, yeah, they could give it to you for free. I agree. But it's one of those things you don't have to pay for it if you don't want to. I'm sure all this stuff will be available separately, too. You just save money buying the season pass. It's it's up to you what you want to buy. I mean, no one's making anybody buy the season pass. What, what I agree with, with Daniel is if you're telling me that part of the game doesn't finish with the actual game itself or there's parts of these missions that I have to complete in order to understand more of the game because uh, you know or like I could totally see them going in and there's parts of this game that are kind of left blank where oh I didn't really get what this was oh well this story mission kind of covers that part like, oh, thanks. So I got to pay $100 now to sort of understand parts of this game? That's that's great. The 2008 version of Prince of Persia had that, where it had like an epilogue DLC that you had to buy to find out what happened at the end. I'm that's sure great. that worked out wonderfully. Yeah. I hope that that's, yeah. Let's just hope that it's optional stuff. Because I cannot imagine that anyone will... You know, the thing is, there will be dumb people that will just buy it. And then they will take that as everybody thinking that that's great. And that's the problem. A lot of times, even if there's a vocal um, minority about it, you know, even, you know, even if there's this vocal people that complain if there's enough people that bought it, it becomes kind of mute. Yeah. The supervillain they introduce is going to be the condiment king, and I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh wow, so Adrian Peterson could get traded? Wonderful. I love how everybody just keeps talking out of their ass before the draft. Uh, anyway... Um, speaking of, uh, something, uh, you know, I, I, I sat here and, uh, I, w- I was getting ready to do this, I think on Monday and right before, uh, Mark sent me this little note that Konami had canceled Silent Hills. So I go and look it up and yes, in fact they have after they had opened, I mean, I kind of figured we're going to hear something bad about Silent Hills once, um, they said they're taking PT off the PS Store. But it's just like all this stuff coming at once. And then Konami delists themselves from the New York Stock Exchange. Like, is there something seriously going on here with Konami? Like, or is it just, are they restructuring? Or you think that we could see something more come out of this? Like, Konami selling off stuff or merging with someone else? I mean, how far do you think this goes? Konami's done. Think Konami's really done? Yeah. <laughs> Look at how many games they put out in like this this decade. 
Yeah, I mean they've they've kind of relied on their the three franchises to make some money at this point. And, and but I mean they still have franchises that make the money though. That's why. Just, I'm not really familiar with what the company is set up to do. I know that they have, uh, I think it's Pachinko Machines, is a big Mm -hmm. maker in Japan. And they do health clubs. (laughs) In Japan. Yeah. So we might see them becoming a more Japanese-focused company. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't, why would you go through the whole deal with Kojima if you're not going to stay around? You know, like, I don't, I don't understand why you would go through the whole thing of changing, taking Kojima's name off and, and canceling all this if, if you're going to keep Metal Gear around and keep making Metal Gear games and, and all that stuff afterwards, it just... I do worry about that though. They could, we could easily see a THQ thing happen here, where they sell off all their game card properties and then just go on to make pachinko machines and all the stuff they do in Japan. You know, um, it's not like, you know, Metal Gear so makes a bunch of money, but I just wonder if that's enough to keep them afloat. You know, why would you delist yourself on the stock exchange if you're just everything's a okay? You want to hear a sad fact? Their pro evolution soccer game makes more money than Metal Gear. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> FIFA makes more money than anything else EA comes out with, probably. I mean, it's it's a global thing. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, considering FIFA has all the licenses and everything, you know. So. Um, uh, I don't know, I just feel like Konami's kind of hurt themselves a lot. Like, they... Didn't they go through this string of just making some pretty bad games? And then, you know, they had to take Castlevania onto the portable market because they really couldn't make a 3D Castlevania that well? They still can't. Yeah, I mean, they still can't. So, you know, you've got that. I mean, Metal Gear does well, and then Pro Evolution does well, but then Silent Hill wasn't that great, the last one that came out. Was it the one for the Wii? That was actually a good one, I heard. The last two that before that weren't good. That was a problem. <laughs> but, like, it is, it is kind of sad, though, because, I mean, Silent Hills... I was really interested in playing that. And I don't really play survival horror games that much. Um, just because of who was involved. I love Del Toro stuff. Uh, you know, Norman Reedus is, is who he is. He, uh, I wonder if now he wonders if he should ever make a... be part of video games again, because... The last thing he was involved with was terrible. Um, well, I mean, keep in mind, he's an actor, so they're very familiar with being involved in terrible stuff and stuff that was initially planned, not making it past the planning stage. True. But, like, does this make you sad that Silent Hills is gone now? It makes me sad because I was looking forward to it, but it also makes it more likely we're going to see a new Alan Wake because now there's a big survival horror gap where people that are fans of survival horror don't have any games to play and Alan Wake is a recognizable enough name, a big enough game that it can fill that gap and become the new Silent Hill, the new standard by which 
survival horror is judged. I, you know, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I love Alan Wake, so I would hope that that happens. But you know, it's it. Um, I sort of see Alan Wake different, a little bit differently, though. Like it's not necessarily the. The reason I would hope that it goes that way is because I enjoy Alan Wake's way of doing survival horror a lot more than, say, Resident Evil or Silent Hill or whatever, or Evil Within, that, that old-school style. That's just, this, maybe it's because it's not zombies, maybe because it's the darkness or whatever, or just the way the story, but I enjoy what? that way of doing it than necessarily just going around a dark corner and there's a zombie I have to shoot. You well, know, there's no, like, but... pyramid head in Alan Wake, or there's no, like, really creepy stuff in Alan Wake, per se. That's the thing. Right. It, it does still kind of scare you, though, because you're going in the darkness, and you're, like, you don't know when they're going to show up, and, and if you're going to be able to get to the light fast enough. It's a different kind of being afraid, I guess. But it, do you think uh, we're going to see, like, basically, I think Daniel asked this question of, I don't mean, I don't know what assets they really have made for this game, honestly. Do you think that they might take whatever possible ideas Kojima might have had on the table and make a Silent Hill game out of that? Or do they want to just prove to Kojima, no, we didn't need you, we'll just go in a different direction? They could try, but the problem with that is that Kojima owns a Fox engine, and I think that's what they're planning to use for that game. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure they have to make the new engine. Like, Daniel, do you have a... I think we're going to see the game get made without the Silent Hill name by another publisher. I think there's just so much interest in that type, that game from those people that somebody is going to pay money to see to let that game get made. Do you think, like, Kojima will just uh, go independent and maybe make his own, like, studio and have it come out? Or do you think he's going to partner with somebody else to start making games? I could see... I think he would probably partner with somebody just so he doesn't have to start completely from scratch with a brand new studio. But any partnership he does, he'll have full creative control and everything like that. I would be really happy if he partnered with, like, Platinum. That would be awesome. Because we know what kind of games Platinum is. They did Metal Gear Rising, and that was a good game. <laughs> yeah, plus, you know, Platinum has all the other history with Killer7 and all the um, Mad World, which I still enjoy to this day. Uh, just, um... I, I could see him partnering too. I just I think it'd be interesting to see Kojima kind of make his own studio and get to make finally his games that he wants to to make. You know, I think you know I'm sure he loved working on Metal Gear and all that stuff, but eventually at some point you get tired of kind of sort of working on the same game over and over. He'll make a uh, siphon filter game. <laughs> I'm sure there are probably plenty of people sitting there hoping a siphon filter game gets made. I actually like that series. It was goofy. Didn't they, uh, who was it that put that as an option for, like, do you want to see Siphon Filter come back? Or, or wasn't there a studio or something that might, or the, the old studio Siphon Filter was working on a game, but they said it wasn't Siphon Filter? Something like that. 
well, it's always been Sony, but I don't know who owns it right now. Maybe like 989 or something. Uh, Square Enix is coming is gonna so Square Enix adds to the amount of press conferences we're gonna have with seven now they're gonna have their own E3 press conference at the same time as Nintendo's I don't understand why you just couldn't have it on your own day or have it after Bethesda's on Sunday or something I don't why why do you have to like rain on someone else's parade it doesn't make I, I know Nintendo's having a direct and it's not the same thing but Still, wouldn't you want all the focus to be on you? Well, I think you're still going to have most of the focus be on them just because when you're talking E3, if Nintendo's just doing a direct and not an E3 press conference, fewer people are going to watch the direct than an E3 press conference. Do you think this means we're going to have some, you know, big news about their games since they're there they must have something that they're going to show us that if they're going to have a press conference you think it's maybe like a kingdom hearts is coming really soon or final fantasy 15 is coming really quick or something you know it has to be something big right like maybe they're going to announce that now marvel characters and star wars characters are in kingdom hearts that could be something I mean, they. I think that was already hinted at with that mobile game they were making, or whatever. They did say that now they might even make a really make a mobile game for Kingdom Hearts, which I think that's where I stop. If we get to that point, it's it's so ridiculous. Uh, Mark, do you have an idea? Like, uh, I'd be nice if they announced something, but they're probably just going to talk about their three big games, which is Brave, that Bravely Second Game, or whatever it's called. Kingdom Hearts 3, and they'll probably say like 2017 if that, and then Final Fantasy 15. That's pretty much all they have. <laughs> Which is kind of depressing when you think about it. Well, they got Tomb Raider, too. Tomb Raider, sort of. Unless yeah. they announce a sequel to Chrono Trigger. Man, if they do that, I think the entire <laughs> internet would go nuts. <laughs> no, they'll announce Final Fantasy 7 for the Xbox One. It'll just be that PC port again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they treat that as big biggest news of the year. I'm assuming there's gonna be a new Hitman game too. I think they've already been talking about that. Yeah, well, they might have like gameplay for that or something. It's just, I mean, I guess it's kind of like it's not the big thing like Bethesda, where you know we haven't seen the new Fallout in a while. So, how great would it be if they did bring back one of their old series, like Vagrant Story? I, do you have to have something big like that? Like, maybe you're going to start introducing a lot of your PS1 games, you know, the classic games to a new audience or something, making them for either bringing them to Steam or, or making them for the new consoles or something. There has to be something with the classic games in there, too, I would imagine, unless they just have this whole slate of stuff. They did, they did tease that there's this RPG that supposedly they're making that they're not telling anybody about that they're going to announce. So there's there's that. Um, they also announced that their uh, Final Fantasy XIV After Years is coming to Steam Remastered on May 12th. So there's another one of their... This one's actually really good. So whatever they decide to do with that, that's... 
Um, I'm excited to kind of see that happen again. And they're even patching Final Fantasy XV's demo. Uh, which, I think this is the first time ever that a demo has been patched. Um, they're going to enhance the active cross-battle system and make it to where you can have joint attacks. And uh, They're going to introduce uh, new monsters and uh, have it to where you can do quests with pairing characters and stuff i mean does this worry you that this game is not as far along as they're saying i've thought that from day one that the game hasn't been as far along as they're saying because when we first saw footage of it it looked rough i mean that demo looks it's, it's beautiful it's just you know i wonder if they just have spent a bunch of time on the demo trying to make it trying to fool people that the game's coming along. That I don't know. That, I mean... <sighs> that game has been in development for nine years. That's scary. Yeah. That's approaching, like, Duke Nukem Forever territory. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I, I don't want to think about that. I would hope that this game is coming out. I just, uh... I worry about it too. I worry that like they're patching this so that they can just have an excuse to be like, "Hey, we're still working on this. We just wanted to give you more stuff to do or whatever while you're waiting." Maybe they'll announce the Kingdom Hearts three demo. <laughs> it's available now. <laughs> while you're yeah, I mean, really, would that surprise you if they did that? No. I would see them so, packing that in with like a with Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, like the day one edition. (laughs) Pre-order now, and you get another demo, (laughs) or or maybe like packing Kingdom Hearts one and two as like one collection for PS4 and Xbox One. That they already said that that's possible, which is going to make me upset because I have both PS3 versions. But uh, I, I think that they did talk about it's possible they could make it for PS4, especially Xbox One, because, you know, they're going to make three for Xbox One. Um, so. I'd be up for seeing that. I think you kind of have to. You know? Yeah. Just, it, it's just one of those where, one of those things I think that, like, you got to understand there's got a lot of people that never owned a PS2. I mean, I mean, PS2 did have a lot of owners, but there's a lot of people that are coming into gaming now that like Kingdom Hearts, that like the idea of it, and you know, you just, you, you're gonna put it on Xbox One and you don't have access to those other games, I think you you're doing those that Xbox One crowd at a service if you don't do that, you know. Uh, Capcom did reveal that Resident Evil HD passed the 1 million sales mark. Does that mean we're getting the other Resident Evil games in HD? Or maybe give you hope that we're getting uh, going back to Resident Evil the way it was supposed to be? I've lost all hope of that ever happening. <laughs> I would really like a Resident Evil 2 HD. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, like Unreal Engine like demo or playthrough that that guy made, but that, was, that looked really good. I think at this point what they need to do is just kind of relaunch the franchise to clean up the story. And if you do that, do a remastered edition of the previous games 
but just kind of tighten up the story, make it make everything a little bit more uh, clear as to what's happening, when it's happening, and do it that way. Then you can go into a new game once you get that done. Just call no, it the I... Resident Evil. Yeah, the Resident Evil Ultimate Edition or something like that. It's Capcom, so you have to have a lot of adjectives describing the game. <laughs> it, it would be really nice if that happened, but I don't see them ever doing that because Capcom is, such, is in such dire straits right now. They can't even pump out a Street Fighter game on their own. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say they're in dire straits. I think it's just they're able to put out games that they can take more chances with than they could normally with having like Microsoft pay for part of it. Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, I, this is way cop coming, making it more money. So why not just release them piecemeal? I think at this point, and see what happens. I mean, until, you know, the episodic thing, I, I don't know how much that's sold, but it seemed to do well enough, you know. Um, so, I would think that you're just, if you get an HD2, they're just going to wait and make an HD3 and, and all that kind of stuff because they want to see how much they can get out of people before it just runs dry because and they need the money at this point. Um, I'm sure Street Fighter's going to do well and all, but I, what, then they have to delay deep down and then completely change everything because it didn't wasn't working the way it was supposed to or they did, they decided that whatever it was supposed to be wasn't going to be wasn't going to sell well so eesh. um I did find this interesting though that Ubisoft um, the guy that made uh, or the creator of Assassin's Creed or I don't know what he is uh, to Ubisoft that Patrice Desailles is making a adventure action adventure survival episodic game based on the greatest moments in mankind history or you know basic you know greatest moments in our history does this interest you at all like just getting to go through say great moments in our time and maybe be more historical than say Assassin's Creed and you're really having to live in that world and not necessarily just kind of being a person in it, like, you know, killing people. I don't think you're ever going to get anything more historical than Assassin's Creed just because everybody's going to want to change what happens in a small way to put their stamp on it. And also saying you're going to have the greatest moments of history is just going to piss people off when you leave out their personal favorite moment of history. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're just waiting for, well, you didn't talk about, I don't know, the American Civil War. What is wrong with you? <laughs> like, yeah. Just... Or if it's somebody from Canada making it, well, you didn't talk about this moment in Japanese history or this moment in French history. You're never going to satisfy everyone. Mark? I'm still interested in the game because I think they, they think that developer is good, but it all comes down to if I, if I have a hidden blade or not. I, I think, 
the episodic thing is interesting though because you know it is a way for you to have a central focus on whatever it is for that two or three hours or four hours or whatever they're going to do with it and then you move on you go to the next part of history or something and there's nothing that says that it has to be like five episodes there could be like a 20 episode thing for all we know you know just uh it, it depends on how long he wants to make it i guess but it's it's also something he can do in seasons and that way you can take uh thoughts and ideas from different people as to what to cover so i'm interested in that way that it's something that could be long going and if the first series works then who knows how long he can even keep it going that way uh there's also xbox games for gold and playstation games for gold they got released i think we got back to uh, we were doing so well with the Xbox Ones, and I don't know why we had to... Go. I, I guess you had to have a bad month at some time. Castle Storm is the other Xbox One game, along with Pool Nation that's still staying around. And then Mafia 2 and F1 2013 for the 360. Um, I heard Mafia 2 was alright. Um, I don't know about F1. I'm not a big F1 person. And... A lot of people are bitching about PlayStation is once again going all indie with Wakamele Super Turbo, Ether One, Hohokam, and I'm finished Swan. Both of those games I'm kind of interested in playing. Race the Sun and Murasaka's Baby for um, PS Vita. A lot of uh, going to all systems because uh, a lot of that stuff's cross by or whatever. Do you think like people really have? I mean, this, these games are free. Like, do you really have a right to complain about whether Sony's sitting here releasing AAA games for these things or just indie games or whatever? I mean, shouldn't we be happy with whatever they're they're giving you at this point? Or you should, but everybody knows gamers like to complain about everything. It's just uh, I don't know. I think people should learn to have an appreciation for these these indie games as well i mean they're we're starting to get into that it's either one or the other type phase so you know you're you're going to get a lot more indie games than your other triple a games and you know it's it is what it is especially the ps4 i mean it's not like they really had that many options <laughs> so let's go let's keep announcing drive club as a free game every month <laughs> <laughs> We laugh, but that's probably what they're going to do at one point, or the order. Yeah, or the I mean, the order will come eventually. I think it's only a matter of time. Speaking of something that's free, but somehow people want to pay for it. Um, I, if somebody pays for this, I think it's ridiculous that PS4s with PT installed are, are being listed on eBay for fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Well, at least it's being listed and not sold for $1,500. You know there's going to be that one person that says, Oh my god, i got to play this PT. <laughs> like, let me buy this. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> it's a good way to make money, because if you just get another PS4 with that money, you can redownload it onto that one and sell that one <laughs> to another person. Yeah, I know. Why? Just, I, I guess if you can do it on eBay, you'll get people to, to you know, 
go for well, it. Well, I mean, again, the thing to remember is it's being listed and not sold yet, so there is still hope for mankind. True. Uh, Ouya is being put up for sale, and the... <laughs> I don't know what he is, the, the CEO or something, is saying that he apparently hears from people all the time that they're still playing their Ouya every day. Um, somehow, just, I It's just people that. that work for him. <laughs> yeah, or the one person that actually, or one of the few people that actually bought it still say they play it every day. He doesn't say that he's hearing from multiple people, he just says he hears from people. So it could be <laughs> two or three people that daily tell him that, and He's not lying. No, it's just the voices in his head. <laughs> that that could be it too. <laughs> is there really anything you could do with the Ouya at this point? Like to like just is is there a point to like he's optimistic that it's going to get sold and they're going to keep making stuff for it? Like really? <laughs> it will not happen. <laughs> just. <laughs> I mean, it'll probably get sold because somebody will pick it up and think. They can do something with it, but what? I, I, I don't are, think anything else will come of it other than it gets sold. There are two ways you could fix the Ouya. One is to just be upfrank about it and just say, "Here's a device you can you can put all your pirated Android games on. Have at it." Or B is like uh, released in developing countries or countries with not a lot of consoles, like China or India. And say, here's a here's a little thing with all you can play Nintendo and SNES games on it and have fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but then you could probably have Nintendo threatening lawsuits at you and stuff. <laughs> I mean, China doesn't. Want... China doesn't care about lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Need to just Russia. <laughs> Speaking of Nintendo, uh, people were apparently up in arms that Nintendo seems to be passing by certain consoles to focus on other consoles for the virtual console thing. That they're going to focus more on 64 and DS games and not so much on the SNES games. Uh, to that, I say it's their virtual console. It's Nintendo. They're going to do what they want. I just. You're complaining about nothing. Just it, it's going to be on deaf ears, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's I, not I mean, like Nintendo's going to change their mind about anything. We've seen how stubborn Nintendo can get. I mean, and anybody that's really expecting Nintendo to just release every game they, that's ever been made for every console that they ever made is silly. I mean, yes, but there are people out there that expect that. I mean, it, I think it would be nice if, like, the Wii U just played every game. Or not, well, not every game, but every, like, big Nintendo game. Because you, you don't want people to be having to drag out their Wii, original Wii to, like, play Mario World on it. Well, that would mean that Nintendo actually cares to link the virtual console stores together, and they don't want to do that. Yeah. Because, you know, they want you to keep buying the same game over and over and over. That's why emulation exists. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly why it still thrives. Because if you would link them together and you pay one price for Zelda, and you're done paying with Zelda, you're done paying for Zelda for the existence of Nintendo systems. You know, then okay, I'm good with that. But if I gotta buy Zelda every time a new Nintendo console comes out, then no, thank you. Uh, one thing I will say, since I'm I'm writing the review now, but uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X apparently is going to have their whole map open from the beginning, which is really good for people because Xenoblade Chronicles goes with the whole we're going to keep it hidden and make it a big wonder every time you go into a new area. So <laughs> it's like the map is totally blank. And every time you uncover something, it kind of gets, you know, more, it opens up or whatever. So the only thing that, and it still happens even with the stuff that's closed, there are monsters that you don't want to go try to attack because they're going to kill you. So just be careful of um, that happening to you, even though there's going to be apparently four players online that can co-op quests with you and stuff in the new game. So that's cool for Nintendo. Hopefully that doesn't not work very well since you know we we know nintendo doesn't like the internet uh speaking of uh the nintendo is going to release a wii u bundle for splatoon that they're also going to have their own direct for splatoon uh next week some or this i think it's next week sometime so that must you know i mean that we've already seen that they're going to come out with uh, you know the amiibo for splatoon all that stuff. I mean, you think Splatoon can really be a, like a big franchise for them going forward? Or they're just making a big deal about a one-off? Or I think if it sells well, they'll make it into a franchise. I mean, there's no reason not to. Yeah. I think it gives them something different than what other consoles have. Stuff we don't want voice chat for a game that. Yeah, because yeah. oh no, people can be mean. <laughs> people, people can never be mean on Nintendo. You know they Nintendo, can be mean without talking if, to you. Nintendo, if anybody is listening on the off chance, there's a thing called a mute button that you can mute mean people. <laughs> Look into that. Marcus, yeah, that, I think, is, that is so true. <laughs> I think Splatoon will be, do well for Nintendo just because it's coming out in kind of a slump for video games right now, and it does have a unique premise and like a unique gameplay. True. Just, I, I hope it does well. I, I like the concept of it. I'm kind of intrigued by it. I just that whole not having voice chat thing in an arena shooter. This does not make sense to me at all. So, what are you more excited for? Full House or Galaxy Quest? Becoming <laughs> becoming TV shows again. Hold on, I heard Full House. What was the other one? Galaxy Quest is apparently going to become a TV show. With, that, the, with what actors? Yeah, that's, is that's Tim the, Allen going to reprise his role? I mean, well, <laughs> Tim Allen is the only person they could get, probably. <laughs> Yeah, Tony Weaver's not really doing anything. Like, well, the well, times again, they're not gonna get like Alan Rickman to do it. Yeah, that's true. 
I don't know. You never, you never know. It's not like Harry Potter is coming out right now. Yeah. Aren't well? Aren't they making a Wonderland too? Or thinking about it? I guess yeah. You would be in that. I'm more excited for Full House, but only Stephanie the meth head, like in real life. Well, I think she stopped doing meth. Yeah, but <laughs> I want her to like flashback to her being in a meth lab or something. That'd be great. <laughs> like DJ has to pull her out, and she's all strung out on meth. <laughs> <laughs> a very special episode of Full House. Stephanie goes through detox. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently gets breast implants somewhere along the line as well. <laughs> you know they're not getting the Olsen twins back. For that. <laughs> well, what are they doing? I don't know, but I, I just... For some oh, I, I think before it's over, they will show up in one episode. Yeah, kind of like uh, Wolferdell and... Well, you don't, need, you don't need both of them now. You only need one. That is true. <laughs> That's true. Or they'll get Elizabeth Olsen to do it because she's the only actress of the three left. <laughs> yeah, but given what she's in that's coming out this weekend, I don't think I think you could afford the Olsen twins <laughs> more than you could afford her. <laughs> True. Speaking of the Avengers, Mark Ruffalo says that there needs to be more Black Widow merchandise for his kids. And apparently there has been a shortage of Black Widow merchandise for like every time there has been a Avengers anything do you think uh, I've also seen that Gamora gets skimped out on when they do stuff for the uh, um, Gardens of the Galaxy is it really like just a sexist thing or just having a I mean we're we're going into this like Sony's thinking about making an all female 21 Jump Street I mean we're going into this all female thing for movies, like, why not merchandise, have female merchandise? That doesn't make any sense, right? Like, or does it? I mean, I mean, I guess Hot Topic was not going to sell Black Widow stuff that well. I don't think it's overt sexism, but I think it is partially sexism. I think it's just, I mean, at some point it gets people sit there and look at what sells and what doesn't and in some cases especially when dealing with comic books you have mostly guys buying stuff than you do girls and not every guy is going to want a black widow action figure yeah i mean they they it's sort of now in this generation that like these comic book movies kind of appeal to everyone but it doesn't mean that Every girl wants to go around wearing a Black Widow shirt or jacket or whatever. Cat suit. Uh, yeah, cat, cat, <laughs> cat. Yeah, that. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what Mark Ruffalo is actually wanting, but, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of Avengers merch that has, like, all of them together that you could buy. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know I mean? Like, <laughs> I understand the point he's trying to make. I just don't necessarily agree with his reasoning where he says it's because they're being sexist. I don't think it's because anybody's being sexist. I think it's looking at numbers and determining, okay, this will sell, this won't sell. I mean, no guy is going to wear a black... I mean, granted, she doesn't have a mask, but 
you're not going to have a five year old, six, seven, eight year old kid wanting to wear a Black Widow costume. Yeah. Or boy, let's say, wanting to wear a Black Widow costume. And the little girls probably shouldn't wear a Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, with Captain America, you got the Captain America mask. Right. That's great. Black Widow doesn't have anything like that you can sell. Yeah, other than, like, I guess you could sell her, like, bracelets and whatever, but still. She that's doesn't a certain... really wear the bracelets in the movie, so. Yeah, well, she that's just what I'm uses, saying, like... She just uses guns. Right, so what are you going to We all know, oh, it's horrible to have anything with guns for kids. Well, yeah. But, I mean, what, yeah, what are you going to do? So, like, the Black Widow with her, with her like, logo on, on the gun? I mean, and that's really the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. She really doesn't have one. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, what, uh, other than... I'm assuming what he wants is he just wants stuff with just Black Widow on it. And that's probably just not going to work that way. Um, I think the the last thing I was going to ask, and this obviously lots of hatred on the internet. Um, the Jared Leto Joker for Suicide Squad, the picture came out with him having tattoos. And people are complaining, of course, because they have to complain about everything. But... I mean, do you, uh, I mean, at some points, these, these characters have to evolve, right? Like, you know, they just always can't look the same. I mean, are you in, are you hating on this, or are you in favor of it, or? I'm not a big fan of the tattoos. Or let me rephrase that. I'm not a big fan of the tattoo across the forehead. Yeah. If they had done tattoos up and down the arms, I'd have said, okay, it doesn't matter. But the tattoo across the forehead is kind of changing the look of the character. Right, yeah, because he's never had a tattoo. Because every time you see him now, you're gonna, you're gonna, your eyes are immediately going to go to that tattoo. Right. So I'm not a big fan of the tattoo across the forehead. I don't. I guess I don't really care like what he looks like. I'll be more interested to see like how he how he imbues the character with like a personality. Like when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker, and when like a few pics of him got out, people bitched nonstop about it, and he was great. So I guess looks doesn't really interest me that much. Is it's more about how he handles the character. Right, yeah, like, you know, that's what's going to matter at the end of the day. So, you know, it doesn't matter that he, what he looks like, if he sucks, then obviously that's going to be the bigger focus of, you know, we picked the wrong guy, and then he he looks stupid on, on top of that, or whatever, but it doesn't matter how he looks, if he does great, then people are going to be like, ah, well, I can deal with this new Joker, or whatever, you know. I, I just do, I do think I agree with Daniel, it's kind of distracting, you know. And it also doesn't seem like some Joker would do. Like, why would he put that on his head to, you know? And like, you know, some people made fun of the grill. I can kind of see him wearing the grill because it would kind of make fun of this generation that wears the grills and he thinks it's stupid, so he's going to wear one too, you know? But 
I don't know necessarily about the tattoo on your head. It's like, why would... I don't see him like... I want to tell you that I'm psycho, by the way, with my tattoo on my head. You know, just... He thinks he's awesome. Why would you do that? I don't know. Um, of course, that's also something they could just take away once they start making the movie, too. You know, so... Alright, well, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, you know... Unless you guys want to just wax poetic about Call of Duty Black Ops 3 having a multiplayer beta. I'm happy to get dedicated servers finally. Yeah. I I mean, I think that, you know, it's not a bad thing at all for these big shooters to have betas that come out beforehand because you need to judge uh, what what how it's going to be the that you know your server space all that kind of stuff you know it seems to work better when you have a beta that you know you don't want it if halo master collection is kind of the, the thing you go back to of they had no way of testing all the people that are going to be on they had betas that was a scary part they had at least three or four they did yeah oh okay. yeah I think it seems to work better when you, when you have a beta for this. And I mean, I think it's also because I think weren't they considering uh, making it different, possibly, where it's maybe more team based. And I, was, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we make it that they do something different with the multiplayer this time around. Instead of two teams, there'll be three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, it's still, the, the multiplayer is still kind of like, just, you're your own person in this team. You know, so if they made it more like where you actually need that team member doing things for you, you know, it it could work better that way. I don't, I don't know. It could be like that PS3 game War, where you had those, like, 64, or 64 player maps, and you had, like, the, the whole, like, ranking and everything. And mag... Oh, that's what that's called mag, yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to have all these, you know, wonderful things in it and Yeah. Well I think that let's go ahead and we should uh get to these plugs, I guess. Daniel. Well, I do uh Factor Fiction on four one one. It goes live every Thursday, although this week it'll be Friday because I had to work late and Jeremy was just going off shift about two minutes later. So it'll be up tomorrow. Or, well, I guess technically to late, late tonight if you're on the West Coast. Uh, other than that, I help out with this podcast when I can when I'm not at work. Oh. I don't have any plugs. Oh, we kind of. You faded out for a second. Right yeah, after, right after oh. podcast after work. That's that's why I was like, uh <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's cool. Um Oh we had somebody Oh, never mind, it's somebody spamming us. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, hey, uh, we made it. We've got spammers. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, 
Uh, my column this week was it went up Monday night. It was about uh, the top eight Wii games, Wii U games down. Um, my column next week will be about like top eight developers who couldn't make couldn't like make changes. And Konami and Square and Capcom are all on there. And I had an Omega Quintet review go up a few days ago, and I don't like that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's what a decent RPG with terrible auto simulation. I gave a yeah, like I gave like a five point five. It's like a really old like hyperdimension Neptunia game and it's just way too much grinding in that game. Grinding not the greatest thing in the world. No. Uh well it works for some games, but you know. Uh uh for Robert, you know, he uh he does that metal hammer of doom podcast. Um, I don't, I don't think he's done a new one since the last time we did this, so I don't have to talk about that, say. Um, he still does his, uh, common Rider, um, the Sentai Rider podcast, where he talks about Japanese children's shows, and anime, and Kamen Rider Gaim, and Power Rangers, and all this other stuff. Um, so go check that out, it's all on the Riot Broadcasting Network, um, so you just download that as a hub. And then all those podcasts will come in one uh, thing as they come out. So you should go subscribe to that. It's good. Um, you know, Robert is... It, it's funny because here he's always, you know, getting us off topic and making jokes. And when he's in his own element, it's it's different. Like, he's, you know, he sounds like a different person sometimes. But he sounds like you should, you should go check that out. Um, one person that got added to the 401 team... Who hopefully we'll have him on here. Uh, he's been on here once, but I think the something happened to the podcast halfway through, and it didn't get to. Uh, he had to leave or something. But Mr. Randy Isbell, him and his friend Wes Harrington, they have a podcast uh, called the Backlog Busting Project that comes out every other week, where they talk about games that they have in their backlogs that they play. And they'll like talk about one. Each person talk about one game, and then they have a game they played together. Like this, this week it was a Super Metroid, because Randy had never played that game, so they get to talk about that. And you should go check it out. Um, it's it's pretty fun listen to. Even if you don't necessarily care about the games, they do a good job of going through them and making it interesting. And they also have like uh, Randy reviewed uh, Crash Bandicoot because he talked about it on the air and stuff. So. It's nice to see have new people uh, contributing to the game zone. You know. As for yep. me, I should have that Xenoblade Chronicles review out here sometime this week, hopefully. And uh, I got Games Top 5, which last week was... Or this week was... Damn it, why am I blanking right now on the stuff that I just did? I was... Um, uh, never mind. I will think about it later when it doesn't matter. But yeah, that's out there. Course 4 PC as well. This week's top 5 is top 5 Tim Schafer games because Broken Age 2 came uh, has come out, which I've heard many good things about. And now you can go play it on your PlayStation systems too. So you can't go wrong with that, honestly. Um, it apparently comes out as a complete edition. So you cannot play that if you've only played like half of it on PC or whatever. There's apparently people that were complaining that they should have been able to start with their PC games and go on and play the the PS3 or PS4 
game, which is stupid, but you know, people will complain about anything. Uh, and yeah, I got, got my other two podcasts, Wrestling the Max of Football to Football. We're doing, a, we might do a draft review tonight, I'm not sure, but we for sure are doing one on the whole draft on Sunday night. And then the next Wrestling the Max podcast, we'll be reviewing New Japan's Wrestling Duntaku and all the other stuff we normally talk about on that show. Um, and this show, of course, if you don't listen through 411 or Spreaker, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and Blueberry. So there's a lot of different podcast avenues you can listen to us to. Go write and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. And coming out this week, Project Cars is apparently finally coming out, supposedly. Uh, we'll see if that doesn't get delayed, like, uh, the day before it comes out or something. Um, Shinigami Tensei Devil Survivor 2 Record Breaker comes out this week. Uh, Mortal Kombat X on mobile comes out. The Yes, the Wolfenstein, the Old Blood is coming out. So excited to play that. Because um, I loved Wolfenstein The New Order. So, are you going to be getting that, uh, Mark? Maybe. Uh, it depends if I can find it for cheap. But also, it's a 37 gigabyte download. That's kind of a lot. <laughs> but isn't it like 20 bucks or something? Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. So it's not that expensive. Um, Daniel, are you gonna get it? Uh, I'm gonna try to. It's gonna take me a little bit to get it, but it's on my list of stuff to pick up. Uh, agreed with you on there. I might. I'm may not get it like this first week. I might wait a little bit, but I'm really excited to play that. And I just got the little email that the Marvel. Future Fight RPG is there on your phones that you can download. So have fun with that, people. Well, until uh, next, well, we're going to be back on Monday afternoon, I think. So we'll be back then. Until then, everybody, enjoy your games, have fun, and we'll see you later. 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 <laughs>